Hey guys, welcome to our Sermon of the Week podcast. Today's message is from Nathan Herndon. If you're interested in partnering with us, check out our app or website for ways to give. Well, good. Steve, I don't believe what Jordan just said. I thought that was dishonoring, honestly, about that. The Hanover Hall comment. I, I, I just want to let you know I like you a lot. So yeah, you didn't even hear it. It's all right. <laughs> so good, guys. Hey, I, I want to let you know um, that uh, where I'm going today, you can grab your Bibles, open them to 1 Corinthians. Uh, where I'm going today is not in the context of a, um, of, I'm hearing a lot of slapback. Like, yeah, I hear myself twice. Oh, it's getting better, actually. Um, but uh, where I'm going today has the potential to ruffle some feathers. Uh, it's not necessarily in the context of a, um, of a sermon series. We did just come through the Rebuild series, which I, I hope you all like that. And we're working right now on, on a Rebuild booklet that's going to be in our resource center just to help us uh, go deeper into what God wants to do in the church. You do know that God wants to rebuild Right, broken places, broken people, broken areas. The church doesn't run away from brokenness uh, in fear, uh, but the church runs to brokenness to light up any darkness, right? To heal any wounds, right? Uh, but today, I wanna talk about something that has the potential to ruffle feathers. Um, in fact, let me just kind of tell you what the rest of the year is looking like as, as far as our teaching. Um, we, you know, we've got VBS, June, that's going to be great. We're going to be teaching kids. How many people are believing for a massive soul harvest on that day, right? Are we praying, right, for, for our VBS week? Um, but uh, we're doing a series next called Ecclesia, which is actually a series where we're going to talk about theologically and then practically what the church actually is. Um, the reason we're speaking on this is because we're living in a day where we're actually allowing people to decide what church is to them. And we actually have to look at the Bible and say, Jesus, you're the one who purchased the church with your blood. What is your dream for the church? And we, we have to be okay with how Jesus sees the church. It's not about how we see it. And the, the church has allowed, I mean, Big C Church across the globe, but, but pioneered in America, the church has allowed church to be built by people's dreams instead of God's dreams. And I really want Providence to be a God dream kind of church, amen? And so we're just gonna open the Bible and we're gonna say, Jesus, what is your dream for the church? And no matter how uncomfortable it is, like we're going to lower com the, the idol of comfort down. We're gonna say, no matter how uncomfortable it is, we want to be about the kind of church that Jesus once paid for or died for, okay? That's, so that's gonna be Ecclesia and we're starting that uh, May 15th. Next week is Mother's Day and we're just gonna honor women, okay? Um, after Ecclesia, we're gonna do uh, all summer, we're gonna preach on the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is, that's where I'm actually going today. I'm gonna drop a bomb today and I'm gonna give you about six or eight weeks to heal before we dig back into it, all right? But we're going to talk about the, the Holy Spirit. The Holy, do you know the Holy Spirit is not, um, is not like a force? I remember when I first started learning about the Holy Spirit because my dad was a pastor and I was born into a family, you know, a, a church family. I was always in church Sunday night, Sunday morning, Wednesday night, and we always had people at our house. And I remember first hearing about the Holy Spirit. And the first time I remember speaking to the Holy Spirit is when my parents asked me to... Uh, 
uh, to do a chore, and it was, it was take the trash out and then straighten up the trash cans. And I remember going to the window, and I looked at the trash cans that were over with the lids off, and I, I said, Holy Spirit, pick up those trash cans, put those lids back on. I did it for like 15 minutes. It never worked. I actually had to go out and do it, you know? So, but I was trying to use the Holy Spirit like a, like a Jedi Knight. And, uh, and I actually want to talk about who the Holy Spirit is. He is a person. He's the third person of the Trinity. And since he is a person, he is relational, and he wants to know know you and he wants to change your life. He wants to be your best friend and we have to get to know the Holy Spirit. Um, so do you know, well, I'm, I'm actually starting to preach on that already. But then, then after that, into the fall, we're going to do a series on biblical masculinity. And it's, gonna, it's uh, called uh, Being a Man. And I want to speak on this because I believe that we're losing um, identity in the world. And we have to, we're just starting with men. It's not that, it, it, we, could, we could start with women, but I, I just really sense uh, a compulsion. I almost preached on that this morning. But a compulsion to preach about how God made men and who men actually are and how, how they operate in the image of God and what they bring to the earth. Men being men, we can't lose that. And so it's gonna be really good. It's gonna be, I don't know, there might be meat. We might toss fried chicken from the stage during that series, you know? So I, I don't know, we'll see. We're gonna be creative here. Uh, but let me tell you, uh, I've been the pastor at Providence since Providence was first founded. Uh, it was actually July 1st, uh, 2007. In my, uh, in my wife and I's living room, we had our first service October 27th, and that's what we celebrate as our birthday. But when I waved by to a really beautiful youth pastor job um, where we had hundreds of kids coming getting saved, it was just revival, I waved by to that, and we actually said, with no funding, we're gonna start a church out of our house. Um, almost 15 years ago now, and now, and now here we are. We were just operating wildly. We didn't have to know the end from the beginning. We just knew that God was calling us to do this and we wanted to be faithful. So I've faithfully tried to open the scriptures and just preach the word of God. It, here's, here's how I've done it. I've, it's like I'm, I'm a, we did some construction work at my house and my whole backyard was all torn up. There was barely any grass there. It was just all dirt. And I've been trying to plant grass there and I've been faithfully doing it. It's slowly springing up and I've just been scattering seed and I've been watering two times a day for weeks now, okay? And so that is how I've been trying to preach. I've been just faithfully scattering the seed of the word. I've been trying to water it. Had no agenda, guys. You, you gotta hear me here. Like I, I've just been trying to open up the scriptures and preach Jesus and trust that he's gonna do what he's going to do. And so one of the things that I, I love is that Providence, under that kind of teaching, has attracted all kinds of people. We've had, we, we've attracted, here's my favorite ones, the Pentecostals. We've attract, attracted Pentecostals all over the place. They wave flags, they have words for us, they shout and they scream. It's wonderful. Guys, I love them. They're my favorite. I, I'm una, una, you know, unabashed about that reality. And then Presbyterians, they're my least favorite, all right? They, they've come in here, and we've just tried to preach the word of God to them. They love being the frozen chosen and whatnot and everything else. But, uh, and I don't know, actually, they, they don't love because that would be an emotion. So anyway, but the, uh, that we, and I love, I've always had a dream, and you know I'm being facetious right now, right? I, I love, do you know that Jonathan Edwards, one of my heroes, Presbyterian. Presbyterian comes from the word presbyter, which means preacher. So the Presbyterians have always held God's word high. 
all right? And I've always had a dream of Providence being a church where Pentecostals that hold the Spirit of God high and Presbyterians that hold the Word of God high uh, could both worship together under the same banner, and that's Jesus, always, all right? And so I've never made, I've never made hard stances about anything or anything like that. I've just scattered the seed, and I've watered it, and I've saying, Jesus, this is your church. Do whatever you want to do. But I want to have an honest conversation. I'm not leaving that framework, Okay, I'm not leaving that. But I'm going to some places that are gonna more expose what I really personally believe. And I wanna do this because I want you to know where I'm posturing myself. I'm not just ambiguous in this kind of floaty kind of world. I actually have some really staunch hard beliefs. And we have, we have a church where you can, you can be on either side and you're still welcome here, but honest conversations where you know where I'm coming from are important, right? Don't you like honest conversations when somebody, before you get in a relationship with somebody, you, you, you tell them, hey, before you get in a relationship with me, you need to know that I have gingivitis. Oh, wow, thank you. I'm glad that you told me that. I'm not going to eat after you or kiss you, right? And so, or before, hey, I just need you to know that, right? And so I want you all to know this morning how my, I'm going to not, not in a massively complete way, but I'm opening the door to my view of the Holy Spirit, my theology of the Holy Spirit, so to speak. Are you guys ready for this? All right, are you sure? You know, because here's the thing, here's the thing. You have the easy part. You get to weigh this and decide if you're gonna leave this church or not after this. I, I wanna tell you this, and that's no joke, okay? What I'm doing today is just raw, I'm feeling it, raw, passionate courage, okay? Because I know from experience that the church isn't the safest place to disagree with, some, with the pastor, all right? So I'm not doing this because I, I, I feel like suddenly our church is going to, you know, this isn't some side, you know, backdoor attempt to get the church to grow. What I'm going to say today is going to shrink our church, all right? And why would I need to do this after we had Goki Sunday and 900 people were here? Why would I do that, right? Why would I do that after, after Easter Sunday? We had three people put their faith in Jesus on Easter Sunday. Well, why would I? It seems like we should just ride the wave, right? And we've got a rekindle retreat and there's not as many people here today. But I really don't care. I just want to be faithful, right? I just want to water what God is doing. Why would I do that? Well, the reason why I would do that is because it's just I really believe on the conviction level, on the foundational kingdom level, that what I'm saying is kingdom, is from the heart of God because I get it from the word, all right? Imagine this for a moment. Imagine that your house is a dirty wreck and you need to vacuum it. There's all kinds of things on the floor. You, you have a dog that brings in stuff from outside. There's grass, there's everything. You know, you got kids and your house is a dirty wreck. Let's say that you've invested in the most expensive vacuum cleaner, all right? And uh, you've got iRobots going around. You've got shark vacuums going around. You've got the best vacuum cleaner going around. You dedicate an entire day just to cleaning. And you're, you're, you're vacuuming from 9 in the morning to 5 at night, all right? And But let's just say that you go through all the motions. You've got the different nozzles. You're going for the cobwebs. You've got the power nozzle. You're going for the carpets. You're going for everything, all right? And passers-by your house that look in your windows and see you doing all this stuff, you can be rocking out to Keith Green, Jason Upton. I don't care who you're listening to, but you're listening to the worship music and you're, you're vacuuming, vacuuming all day long. Everybody says, now that person knows how to vacuum. But let me ask you, if you start at nine in the morning and you're doing it with all of your heart and you vacuum till five, would you have vacuumed your house if the vacuum cleaner was never plugged in? Would you have? 
Well, you would have gone through all the motions, but the vacuum cleaner would have never worked to actually do what it was designed to do. And I'm just telling you this morning that we have this dream of being a Jesus church. Come on, right? I'm telling you that the way Jesus designed his church to operate is in the power of the Holy Spirit. And my big, my big fear here, my, my big, like I'm, real, I'm really, really burdened about this, that I don't wanna be a church that talks about Jesus, that kind of looks like we're following Jesus, that's doing all of this stuff, where, where we're never even talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, guys. Do you know that when Jesus ascended to his father, he told his disciples, go back in Jerusalem and wait. He didn't say get to work. Yeah. You, listen. He didn't say get to work. He didn't say quickly, go, I'm returning. Go, go tell everybody what I just told. He didn't do that. He said, wait until the helper comes. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes. This is, Je this is Jesus's design for his church, that we would not just go through motions and look like we're doing something, but actually find out at the end of the day, when Jesus returns, when all of this mess is all over, we actually find we actually did everything in our own strength and all of our motions proved worthless, okay? We have to know what it is as a Jesus church. A Jesus church is not a Jesus church unless it's also a Holy Spirit church, which makes it a Jesus church because God the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. All right? And we've all been hurt and we've all seen all the weird. All right? And I think many times we start talking about the Holy Spirit and we feel like we need to protect our hearts, we need to protect our spouses, we need to protect our children, we need to protect our church, uh, churches from the Holy Spirit because we've seen the extreme weird. And everything you see out there and every single person that says they're operating in the ministry of the Holy Spirit are not. There's a lot of fakes and weirdos out there, all right? But so I'm not talking about that. I just want to talk about what the Bible says about the Holy Spirit this morning. Dro I'm dropping a bomb. Do you see how I'm doing this here this morning? So I want us to realize that we cannot do church. We can't do, do life without the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And so today, this is gonna, I'm going to do three things with the time that I have left. I'm going I'm to talk about uh, some after my uh, experience in the church for almost 25 years. I'm going to talk about four of the reasons why I think there's resistance to the Holy Spirit. Then I'm going to talk about one of my views in the Bible that is hopefully going to open a door for us to talk about more. One of my views. And then I'm going to talk about my story with the Holy Spirit, and how he's been my friend and how he's touched my life and what he's done in my, in my life. All right? Um, sound good? Yeah. Oh, good. Thought I lost you for a second. Saw people leaving. So one person gave me the finger back here. That was, uh, that was not nice. Um, but uh, that was, you should, you know, but Jesus still loves. Uh, anyway, so, um, so here's, let's, so let's talk about resistance for a moment. Here, here are four reasons why I think we have resistance to the Holy Spirit. Here's number one is we've had poor discipleship in the church. All right. Do you remember Paul on his missionary journey? If you read the book of Acts, Paul was on his missionary journey and he actually comes up to some men who, uh, who were Jesus followers. All right. They, were, they had uh, John the Baptist baptism um, of repentance, but Paul comes to them and says, hey, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And here's what they said. They said, what's that? All right. 
I think that many times in the church, we have been so afraid in, in the evangelical conservative streams, we have been so afraid of the Holy Spirit that people have absolutely no clue about who he is, except that he maybe wants to help us read the Bible, but we have to be cautious. All right, so we've had poor discipleship in the church on the person, the work, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And we've got to change that, do we not? And then we've also, here's, so, so some people, they just are like, what's that? I, I have no clue. Why, why would I need that? And actually, even in this church, over all the years, we start talking about the Holy Spirit, and there's a whole lot of head scratching, and there's just like, and so we, we need to open our eyes to, to uh, the third person of the Trinity. But here's another one, and these are gonna get incrementally uh, more interesting here and uh, dangerous and scarier. Uh, but there's resistance to the Holy Spirit because there's been a lot of fear training in the church. Training to fear the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, to, to many is dangerous and it's, a, it's best to approach him with caution. Um, we, we say that we, we, we so in other words, we, we put the Holy Spirit in a box. And I'm not saying this because I've watched it. I'm saying it because I've been it. Okay? I, all of my training for my, my undergraduate Bible training and then my postgraduate, my master's level training. I have a master's degree and I got all of, all of my training at the Moody Bible Institute, Lancaster Bible College, at uh, at evangelical schools that don't really open the, the box lid of the Holy Spirit. And what we do is we believe in the Holy Spirit, we keep them in a box, we crack the lid and say, I'm reading the Bible now, you can come out, but just a little bit, as soon as I close the Bible, go back in. And so we actually treat the Holy Spirit like a genie. And we, we rub the lamp, we tell him what he can do, we fasten his chains on him. Like this is, this is what in the world is it? This is ridiculous. We actually think that we know more than the third person of the Holy Spirit. And we tell him, hey, we're reading the Bible. You can come out for a second, but man, don't make me cry. All right. So, and so we, we have this fear training. This is actually fundamentalism uh, started out good, keeping us in the fundamentals of the faith. But as the Holy Spirit started breaking out in the early 1900s, fundamentalism actually changed to actually protect the church from the work of the Holy Spirit. Did you know that? And so deep in our roots, we say, hey, we're a fundamentalist. And, and in some ways, I would say that too. The, the fundamental doctrines of the faith are so, so, so important. And we need to fight for the faith that was once for all entrusted to the, to the saints, the book of Jude says. But that faith is actually empowered by the Holy Spirit. And we have to have more than fear training when it comes to him. Do you hear this? All right, you know that you don't have to sacrifice good theology for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is good theology, okay? You ha we have to have a theology for the Holy Spirit and we have to get it from him. He's gonna show us. How about this one then? Then there's, there's resistance because there's genuinely bad experiences with, I wouldn't say the Holy Spirit, but people that say they're operating in him. There's been horrible teaching on the Holy Spirit. I don't deny that. Absolutely horrible spirit, I, uh, uh, horrible teaching on the Holy Spirit, and I acknowledge that. But uh, often, 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 people have gone after gifts of the Holy Spirit or ministries of the Holy Spirit as the goal instead of actually operating in the Holy Spirit, which is he gives gifts and he gives ministry to make much of Jesus, all right? And so we've completely, we actually think that gifts of the Holy Spirit are badges that, that actually validate who we are and what we're doing and we're called and we've got this. This and that is backwards. The Holy Spirit gives gifts so you can make much of Jesus in power, you see, all right? And so 
So often people have gone after gifts of the ministry uh, or the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and it hasn't been about Jesus. It's actually been about something else or worse yet, that people have actually put their Bibles down because they don't need the Bible. They have the Spirit. Well, that's just not what what the Spirit says. That's not how it works. The Bible is not, a, is not an opposition to the Spirit, and the Spirit is not an opposition to the Bible. In fact, the Holy Spirit inspired every word in Scripture. All right? All right, so if God's moving, it's gonna, we're going to be able to go to the Bible and say, oh, yeah, that's where it is. It's pretty crazy and kind of weird and it's kind of scared me, but it's right there, you see. All right? So the Holy Spirit makes much of Jesus. He does not go against the scriptures that he inspired. But when you live in a culture where experiences prove your relationship with the Holy Spirit, it can get unbig- unbiblical and very painful fast. Let me tell you about one of those for me. I'm not going to name drop. This actually happened at a different church when I was 17. So I'm 17 years old. The Spirit is moving in this service. I really feel that I need to go forward for prayer, and uh, which you should do, all right? And I did, and I shared, I poured my heart out. Some of the deep places that I would never tell another person in my life, I poured my heart out to this prayer counselor, and the prayer counselor be, began to sing over me, all right? Here's where it gets weird. Because uh, he starts singing over me, and it sounds like uh, a llama giving birth to a camel, all right? And it's just like, it's the worst thing. I'm like, what? And I just poured my heart out. Here you're singing a, a, a song, but I'm not sure that, that uh, you're, you're gonna make it, you know? It's a song of death. Uh, the, and so singing this over me, and then after the song is over, and it's a miracle, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that I stayed there in that weirdness, all right? After it was over, this prayer counselor says to me, he says, he says, hey, he goes, you know what? I just wanted to bless you with that. And listen, I can't sing unless the Holy Spirit is on me. And then he went to tell me all of his just great feats in the kingdom with the Spirit, and I just wanted to vomit, punch, and run, all right? So this is, suddenly, I pour my heart out. This guy makes it all about him. I was exposed, and I left hurt, all right? Now, that is an easy one. There's a lot more. But listen, we don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just because you hear a bad sermon doesn't mean you stop listening to sermons, all right? Just because someone burns the food doesn't mean you stop eating. Guys, come on, all right? In the church, you're allowed to get it wrong. Just because someone hits a, a wrong note on a guitar doesn't mean that they don't have the gift, all right? And just because someone who's trying to minister in the power of the Holy Spirit gets it wrong in your life. Listen, do you know what you insert into that? It's grace. And we've got to be a culture where people are allowed to try and fail a million times because we're all growing here together, all right? So, but now here's the other thing. It's the last thing is, is that, uh, so genuinely bad experiences. I believe that the Holy Spirit, what he wants to do today, he actually wants to heal those things and they're trophies in your heart that are keeping you from deeper fellowship with him. And today you're supposed to lay them all down and surrender those things and stop holding these weird judgments over people that were just trying but got it wrong, all right? So you need to, even right now, you need to lay those down so your hearts are open in a new, fresh way. But here's another resistance to the Holy Spirit that I've seen is is idolizing comfort. I'm telling you guys, when the Holy Spirit moves, he is not mostly concerned about your comfort. He is the comforter, okay? He comforts your hearts, but he doesn't comfort you with soft blankets and chairs. It's not that type of comfort here. When Jesus was ministering and he preaches a message, that, and the message was basically this. It's a crowd of people. He had just fed them all lunch, all right? 
And Jesus says, hey, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you can have no part of me. Well, all these people that wanted lunch from Jesus left, left. And, and t today it's, it's like someone would say, well, you know, Jesus, he did, I, I did see him work and move, but you know, I, I think he's going weird. I'm uncomfortable with that message. Well, listen, your comfort has absolutely nothing to do with it. It's the truth of the word of God that has everything to do with it. And many times the Holy Spirit starts moving and we, and we are not used to it. It looks weirder than we want or it's weirder than we're comfortable with and so we squelch it. And we're missing so much, so much. And it's incredible how people say, I'm not comfortable with that like your comfort has biblical weight, which it does not. Listen, people in, in Jesus' day were not comfortable with his message of flesh eating and blood drinking. <laughs> and, but they had blind eyes to see the spiritual significance of what he was saying. Imagine this, today we hire a personal trainer, we wanna get in our best physical condition, they have us doing very intense exercises and we stop and we say, I'm not comfortable with this exercise. All right? Or how about this? Your kids are on, their, are on their electronic devices for nine hours. You tell them it is time to get off. They shout up from the basement. We're uncomfortable with that rule. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, well, silly me. I thought you had full comfort with that rule. You know, I'm sorry. I, listen, I don't care how uncomfortable the rules make you. We're leading here. Put your device down. Or the, the personal trainer says, yeah, the point is that you press through. Now, I just spit a good one there. You, you, you press through your discomfort to go to new heights, deeper depths, higher heights. Like the problem is, is you're here and you're flabby and you're soft. If you actually wanna, if you actually wanna get strong, if you actually wanna put on not flab, but strength, you're gonna have to press through discomfort. That's how it is. That's how God's created it. And the Holy Spirit is constantly calling us out of what's comfortable into new heights, climbing higher, going deeper, Let, right? And so that's what he's doing. So like, we, we have to lay that down. We have to lay that down. We have to say, God, you know what I want? So I wanna be more like Jesus. God, you, wanna, you know what I want? I wanna walk in greater authority and greater obedience to Jesus. God, you know what I want? Is I want my heart not to feel less, but more of you. I want more desire, God. I want, I want you to break my heart in these days. I want you to open me up. I don't want you to have less of me. I'm not good with here. There's gotta be more than here, God. And, and the Holy Spirit is saying, man, I've been waiting for you to ask this. I've been prompting you to ask this. Let's go, it's gonna be hard. And I can't promise that it's not gonna be weird, but it's going to be good. All right. Now I want to tell you my view on the on the uh, on the Holy Spirit, especially one passage in the Bible. I'm going to skip all over the place here because I am I'm trying to bomb you today. I'm not trying to cover everything. Okay, I'm trying to stir up appetite. I'm trying to step on your toes. I'm trying to make you angry so you actually go to the Bible and invite the Holy Spirit to minister to you. But I want to talk about one passage that has typically divided the whole church into two segments, and it's in 1 Corinthians 13. It's the love chapter, actually, but we're starting with verse eight. Let me read this to us here. It says this, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, here we go. <laughs> Woo, here we go. As, as for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. 
When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I've been fully known. Now, interestingly enough, when we hear this passage read, it's at weddings. And we rarely hear this passage preached on. But this is a hinge passage for much of the division in the church on the Holy Spirit. And let me tell you right now, here's, here's uh, the two sides to this coin is we have cessationists on one side and we have continuationists on the other side. Big theological words. Th these are not the words I like to use. This is just where I'm starting. You, you with me? All right, let me tell you what cessationists are from this passage. Cessationists are this. Uh, cessationists believe that supernatural, miraculous gifts like prophecy, tongues, healing, uh, and others were to authenticate the apostles' ministry in the early years of the church. All right, but when the apostles died and when we, and see, when we received the entire written Bible, in other words, the official name for that is the closing of the canon of scripture. When that happened, all of the supernatural ceased because we don't need it anymore. Now we have the Bible, we don't need the spirit. Now that is, uh, that is the cessationist camp. I love these people, disagree with them profusely, uh, but love these people, and I've actually been ministered to them, fought for them, uh, and in, my life has been impacted by people that fall on this side. So I wanted to say, if you're a cessationist, you're, you're, welcome, you're welcome here. But here's the side that I would fall on. It's a continuationist, or a continuationist. Well, let me actually backtrack for a second. Cessationist, here's where they get that. Verse 10, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. And the cessationist says that the perfect is the closing of the canon of Scripture. We've got the Bible. We've got what's perfect. Everything else can pass away. Tongues can cease. Okay? Now, we get to a continuationist. And continuationist says this, that all of the gifts and ministry of the Spirit are still for today. That the perfect in verse 10 is not the closing of the canon. The perfect in verse 10 is the return of Jesus himself. All right? So the, the, the perfect that's, you know, when, when the perfect comes in verse 10, that is Jesus returning to the earth, the, the perfect one. And in this view is supported by verse 12 that says, in verse 12 says, now we see in a mirror dimly, then, that's when the perfect comes face to face. You see this? Like, actually, the good hermeneutics that they teach in conservative Bible institutions teach you to translate this passage this way. But on this issue, for some fear-filled reason, we break the hermeneutics that we teach all across the rest of Scripture and go back to something that we think will protect the Scripture more. Let me tell you this. The Holy Spirit wants to protect the Scriptures because they're His. All right? You don't love them more than Him. All right? And so the, 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 the perfect, in my opinion here, just based on what the Bible says, and when the perfect comes, it's not the closing of the canon of Scripture, though the closing of the canon of Scripture is a great thing. It's just not what this passage is referring to, in my humble opinion. I could be wrong. I don't think I am, but that, that's why I'm saying this. But the, the, clo the, uh, the perfect in this passage is the return of Jesus who we will see face to face, and everything will change in a moment here, guys. All right, so, so, the, so here's what I believe, and I, I wanna tell you, this is the honest part. So I'm a continuationist. I believe that all of the gifts of the Spirit are still in operation today. 
of the ministry of the Holy Spirit is still in operation today. And I'm not getting that first and foremost from experience. I'm getting that first and foremost from the Bible. My, my understanding of scripture and my wrestling with it and laboring over it and crying over it, that is what I have to come out with. Whether I'm comfortable with it or not does not matter. It is what I believe it says. And I have to embrace it and say, this is your church. You bought us with your blood. I want to do things the way that you say, while I have love in my heart for people that disagree with me, right? Now, I want to tell you this, though, that this biblical conviction of mine is not new. There's a rumor going around that in the last two years, suddenly I became a charismatic. That is not true, guys. I'm, that is not true. I've been a charismatic since I spoke in tongues in my room in, as a 15-year-old, all right? That is, and all of that, remember how I told you how I, was, how I was, you know, just faithfully trying to plant seed in our hearts and water it? I've never had any weird Holy Spirit agenda. I've never gone just for signs and wonders. I've been open to them, but this is not new for me. I've, I've, I tasted the presence of God and I couldn't stop since I was a young boy, all right? Now, let me, let me tell you this, though. The... Uh, um, when I was in, uh, in Bible school, Moody Bible Institute, which started out charismatic, D.L. Moody and others who uh, loved the Holy Spirit and weren't afraid of him, it started out that way, fundamentalism took over, and now it's the opposite of how it started in a lot of ways. But I went to that school that is now the opposite that actually taught against, like if I was going to answer test as a continuationist, not a cessationist, uh, I would fail test and I had to do it. In fact, I, I chose to, wrote, uh, to write my theological documents in undergraduate school and post-grad uh, post or whatever you call it, um, in my, my master's level school, I, I wrote them any chance I could on the ministry of the Holy Spirit because I wanted to get people with opposing views to chime in because I could be wrong, all right? And one of my, uh, the, the head of the pastoral department at Moody Bible Institute said, he, he said, listen, Nathan, you're right, but this is just what we have to teach here. Wow, did I just say that on live stream? Uh, but uh, so let, let, me, let me tell you this now. Listen, listen, I'm all over the place, but let me tell you then. So that's my biblical thing. And I could, you know, I've been wondering, should I just reproduce some of these documents that I have where I poured hours and hours and hours into this from a theological perspective? And we, we might do something like that in these days, not to convince you, but to lift Jesus up. But let me, let me tell you this. The, uh, here's my testimony and my experience uh, with, with God, including God, the Holy Spirit. Born into a pastor's family, Brethren in Christ Church. We got any Brethren in Christ people here? Anybody? Right? Uh, no? Okay. Um, the, uh, I, I didn't look. I was scared. Uh, but um, seven years old, I'm at a Wednesday night service. Didn't really want to be there. Wanted to be at home playing with my Star Wars figures. Um, but I, uh, I heard about Jesus. My whole life got <laughs> rocked. Like, guys, seven-year-olds can encounter the risen Jesus. All right, whole life got rocked. I didn't, I didn't run to the altar. We lived on, at a parsonage, which is a, just a house on the church property. And I ran home to my mom and I was weeping. She says, I, <laughs> I crawled in my bed. I was just crying into my pillow. And my mom comes and she says, my mom here, see it? She's not, <laughs> come on, mom. The day I need you. But uh, anyway, <laughs> oh man. So, but uh, my mom comes and I tell her what's going on in my heart and my mom 
leads, leads me to just receive Jesus into my heart and my life, to repent of my sins. As a seven-year-old, I knew I was a sinner. I, I knew that I wasn't perfect. I, need, I knew I needed forgiveness. I knew that I wasn't like God and that I was imperfect. I needed his righteousness. I wasn't trying to offer him my goodness. I knew as a seven-year-old I needed to receive his righteousness. And I knew that that didn't happen by being a pastor's kid. It didn't happen by me trying to be good. It happened by me receiving that gift through faith. I just prayed with my mom. And listen, my life was changed. I can't explain it, just that my life was changed. I wasn't walking on water and levitating or anything like that, but I was changed from the inside out. Suddenly, affections that I used to have for Star Wars guys, I still, I still enjoy playing with Star Wars guys. Any men in here, right? Uh, but the, the main one, my whole life was there. Suddenly something happened where I, I, I wanted to taste more. I wanted God. And then I remember in seventh grade, I'm on a, uh, on a trip to a creation festival and we were staying off site and we were having a time of prayer with God and the Holy Spirit pounded me literally like a gentle sledgehammer and I began to burst in tears and I knew that I knew that I knew that I wasn't just called to be a son of God, but I was actually called to be a, a pastor. I knew I was called to preach the word, which was, listen, which was my greatest fear. I would sit in church and I would stare at pastors preaching and I would tell God, I could never do that. If I had to give a speech in school, um, I would at least do my best to skip school that day. I was, I was so afraid. But sometimes when I would just press into that moment and I would give speeches, for some reason they said, hey, can you do that again? We wanna record this next time. I was like, well, it's just a speech on John F. Kennedy. We're like, we know, but we wanna record this. I was like, okay, you know? And I remember like there was, there was something on my life that I wanted, well, the Holy Spirit showed me that day, listen, I called you to be a son, now I'm calling you to feed my sheep. I'm calling you to be a pastor of my church. And so that, that, that changed me, guys, it changed me. Like I, was, I, was, I wasn't right for hours or days. And then when we got back to church that Sunday, uh, I walked in front of the entire body, which is important. Children's ministry and youth ministry can't be bubbles in the church. We have to come together. We have to have moments where we do that. As a seventh grader, I walked to the front of the church. I told the whole church uh, about what God had done in my life. I was called to be a pastor and, and people were just praying over me. This is a Baptist church where the Holy Spirit was just, man, just moving and hearts, lots of tears, lots of good stuff. Then in ninth grade, I started fasting um, every Monday. <laughs> takes me back. This gets my heart. Boy, this went easier when I was preaching this to myself at home. But in, in ninth grade, I started, I started fasting every Monday, not out of legalism. I, I knew that I was liked and wanted and forgiven and accepted by God. I started fasting out of hunger. <laughs> every, every single Monday. And I remember I would have friends' moms would pick me up from school and there'd be like a minivan load of kids and we'd go to McDonald's and they'd say, Nathan, what do you want? I'm not eating. Why? Fasting. Oh, and so I became very, very uncool. <laughs> very, very fast. I had to change. Like I went to Bible Baptist school for a while because I wasn't working <laughs> in this school and that was worse than public school. And so I go to other school. I, I just wasn't, I, I just had this appetite not to be popular. I had this appetite for, for Jesus. 
And so then I remember that the next year, after a year of fasting every single Monday, nobody asked me to do it except the Holy Spirit. And I just walked into that. What prepared my heart for 10th grade, when I started in 10th grade, I started devouring the scriptures. I don't mean like physically eating them, but I honestly, sometimes I wanted to tear off. I, I wanted to eat the Bible. I just wanted it to be in me. I was at 10th grade. Uh, I could have started driving. I was 16 years old. Could have started driving around that time, but uh, I wasn't. Uh, you know, we, we were just not in the situation where you know that could financially that could even happen. So I'm riding the bus with the freshmen. They're putting gum in my hair as I rode. I'm just looking out the window. I, I have like very little uh, self-confidence or anything. All I'm dreaming about, I was like, I, 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 you can put gum in my hair. You can do whatever you want to me. Give me wedgies. I don't care. Like, get me off this bus so I can go read my Bible. That is all I care about. Right? Like this social anxiety. I thought, you know, I, I didn't know if anybody liked me, but I knew that God li liked me and I just wanted to be with him. I read my Bible so much. I got it at Boys Brigade. <laughs> all right. Uh, I read my Bible so much that the entire New Testament fell out and I was heartbroken <laughs> until my dad on my 16th birthday got me a green. <laughs> Man, I'm losing it today. Phew. <laughs> yes. So he, he got me a green NIV study Bible. Take a second to pray <laughs> while I get together. Maybe the Holy Spirit wants me to stop there and we just need to see. Just see if he wants to do something in, in your heart. Because this is how I respond to God. I start crying. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> so so I, I start reading the, the, this green NIV study Bible and I, I, was, I was smitten. I was lovesick bad. And then in 11th grade, I start learning the guitar. There's a little bit, I wanted to be in a band called Devoted Molded. There's a little bit of that, but I kept giving up the guitar when I wanted to be in that band. They needed a guitarist. And I was like, oh, I'll learn. Uh, but uh, never really did. Never really, that wasn't enough for me. When I started, um, after all my fasting and uh, <laughs> Bible reading, I started learning the guitar because I wanted to write songs to Jesus. I was, man, I was so blessed. I, I think one of the biggest blessings in my life was no social life. <laughs> it's just, I just didn't care about friends. I didn't care. I just wanted to be with Jesus. I was fine that he was a better friend. It is so good. So then one day, like as uh, I'm still fasting, oh, thank you. Yeah, this is a nice church here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Can I, can I honk my nose in front of everybody? Is that, will that work? So then, so what, what's happening is, so I'm still fasting and stuff, and now I'm a, a junior fasting, and my mom and my brother are downstairs eating baked ziti and stuff, and I'm upstairs crying, screaming, writing, <laughs> writing songs to God. And my brother Phil would, would scream up the stairs sometimes, Nathan, are you okay? I was like, I'll be okay, don't worry about me. I'm just in my room, just going hard for it. And it's during that time, I'm just kneeling by my bed with my Bible open, song sheets everywhere, just spending time with God. I just started speaking in tongues. It was, it was just like, it just seemed natural to me. I, I think if you would have asked me, you know, do you speak in tongues? I would probably said, I don't think so. 
But when I was alone with God, I would just start, I was just, that's just how I was praying. And it was just, it was just so sweet. It was, it was so pure. It was just nothing. I, it was never an agenda for me. That's like, like for, for me, like you get someone with a lovesick heart and, and you unleash them and the Holy Spirit does whatever he wants with that person. But I've never been the kind of person that, you know, I bring everyone up here and like fire and fire. Like that's, maybe that's some people's ministries, but I'm just like, get alone in your room where, you, where you're more hungry for God than food and for a social life and you just want him and you'll start meeting with heaven. And so, so this, is, this is what happened to me. Really, I think what began my, um, my life with the Holy Spirit is what I would just call the Abba cry. Do you know, uh, actually, let's start here. It's, it's Romans chapter eight, verse 15. It says this, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons. See, that's what happens at salvation, all right? This is what happens at salvation. So you don't turn into angels, you don't turn into servants, you turn into sons. Everybody is not God's kid, all right? Everybody's an image bearer, but you actually are a child of God, says John chapter one, the gospel of John chapter one, when you put your faith in Jesus and, and officially, legally, spiritually, become a son or a daughter of God. And here's what happens when you, uh, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Okay, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. So the spirit of God in my heart started crying for dad. Just, just crying. Then, then you turn over to Galatians chapter uh, four. And it says this, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those who are under the law so that we might receive, listen, adoption as sons. See this? How do we miss this? How do we miss this? And look at verse six. And because you are sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. And here's what the Holy Spirit cries. Dad. Father. It, Abba street language for daddy. It makes a whole lot of people uncomfortable. I lost about 500 friends just, just, just preaching that the Holy Spirit cries, Daddy. I'm uncomfortable with that. Well, that's, that's the beautiful thing. Your uncomfortableness is, a, is an invitation into something new, right? The, I am not gonna lead a church where our number one priority behind the scenes, how do we keep everyone comfortable? How do we fill seats, right? How do we make everyone feel safe? Like, do you know the line that we came from? People love Jesus so wildly and recklessly that they, they surrendered their body to flames. And here we are trying to feel like, like complaining about if a parking spot is too far away. Like this is, this is whack. We've got to get back guys to just being so lovesick. We would crawl for four nights on our bellies with no food to get to a church gathering. Like so much of the world does. So the Abba cry is how God first started moving in my heart. And it's the Abba cry that unlocked gifts. And it's the Abba cry that unlocked calling. It's the, it's the Abba cry that unlocked everything. It was the Abba cry that, 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 that drew me to the scriptures. It was the Abba cry that said, I wanna give up food on Mondays for dad. It was the Abba cry. And I think that so many times we're going after gifts, but we, we want the gift, we don't want Abba. And that is when it starts getting perverse in the church. That gifts have to flow out of desire for dad. 
Gifts have to flow out of just intimacy in his presence. Gifts have to flow out of, of wanting to see him made much of. Gifts have to flow out of intimacy with the Father. And Jesus, I see that you are better than every other thing. I don't care about any other relationship but yours. And I'll be in every relationship, but you have to tell me to be in it. And everything begins to flow out of this. That like speaking in tongues in the charismatic church has too often been like this badge of honor where, hey, do you speak in tongues? Do you speak in tongues? You, I just want to say today, who cares if you don't, if the Abba cry isn't happening in your heart, guys. You know, I, I started learning these, these songs, started learning the guitar just so I could write songs because I, I was lovesick out of my stinking mind. I started learning the, the guitar now to write songs to God, and I started writing, I, I wrote some of these down. I even grabbed my guitar this week and started playing them again. I started writing this, rain down your love so it can rest on me. Pour on me your hope that my eyes will clearly see that you know what's best for me, God. And I would just sing this like a, like a, a long lost lover of Jesus. And I wrote another one, oh God, what can I do to have a life devoted to you? I can't handle this task on my own. I'm only flesh and bones, but I love the Lord with all my heart. I just went on. And actually, the pastor of, the, of this Baptist church started saying, hey, you should do those in church sometime. And I'm just kind of clanging on the guitar. That's how my worship ministry started. It didn't come out of visions of grandeur of staying on stage and being live streamed around the nations. I had no clue. I had no care whatsoever about my sound at all. I just cared about a man who had captured my heart. I didn't care about releasing anything except love for my treasure named Jesus. And so I began to writing him songs and my songs have never hit the, you know, the big times here, <laughs> but I'm very famous in heaven. I promise you that, all right? Very, very famous. You're looking at someone, I'll give you my autograph later. Like they sing the songs and here's why, because I got them from there that came out of intimacy. And this is what the church is supposed to look like. People that don't care so much about their theological posture and people that just care the most about knowing their dad, crawling in his lap. What gift do you want to give me today? How do you, when gifts start being about this. God, how can I show your love to other people around me? I promise they'll break loose in this church. I promise they'll break loose in this church. But when they're held as a badge of honor that we use Jesus to get, they'll stay dormant. It has to be about Jesus. It has to. So I'm, I'm so laying on my face, skipping dinners, fasting more, crying, praying. I was the best in church. I'm in this Baptist church at this time. Well, for a little bit, and then I got to Christ Community, which is not a Baptist church. But anytime someone would give a, uh, a call to the altar, you'd find me right here doing what I do in my room. It wasn't a show for anybody. It was just natural outflow of what God was doing in my life. I'd be snotting and crying. I'd just be laying up there. I was like, I was like a Pentecostal preacher's dream, right? Altar calls you and just at least count that Nathan's gonna be there just making a big scene like, oh God, oh, it's just like Jesus. People be praying for me. I even did this in Bible school, Moody Bible Institute. If some crazy person wanted to invite people to the altar, no matter where, I would be there. <laughs> I would be there. And it's just, it's not show, it's hunger, guys. It's Abba cry, it's Abba cry. Now, I'm talking, I'm talking about all of these things. I wanna tell you that I'm not perfect and I won't be perfect until the perfect comes and I see him face to face. Even yesterday, <laughs> like I know the voice of the Holy Spirit and yesterday I'm pumping gas at Turkey Hill and this, this blue Ford comes pulling up as a Ford car. Uh, Ford Focus. 
comes pulling up. And uh, as soon as I saw it, saw it was a Ford, I realized that the person driving it must be really loved by God, right? And I got this, uh, right, Steve? Um, but uh, I got this uh, prompting from the Spirit, pay for this person's gas, all right? So you just have to kind of learn how to walk with the Spirit, just pay for this person's gas. And then, I don't know, I was kind of having a bad day, like Tyler was saying he was having a bad day, and I was kind of having a, a bad day yesterday, kind of a little more self-focused, more uh, really in touch with my pain, kind of depressed kind of day. And, uh, and I was just like, God, like, you know, you couldn't be saying that. Like, uh, you know, just if you want to, you're just, can I just have a confirming word on that one? Jesus. And so the lady gets out of the car and she goes, Nathan. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. <laughs> but what I did is, listen, I talked about the weather and then I drove off. All right. Is that lady here? Is she here? I don't know how she knew me. Is that, was that anybody here? There she is. Like, I brought, come see me after the service. Please, I was so convicted uh, by that because I knew the Holy Spirit just wanted you to be seen and cared for, all right? And uh, I'll make things right. <laughs> but uh, I remember I drove, drove off after I talked about how nice of a day it was. And then and the Holy Spirit, like, he, he's, uh, he's gentle and kind, but he, he's heavy, too. <laughs> he's like, Nathan, this is not how I want you to live, more in touch with your pain than, what's, than my voice, <laughs> I came home, I told my wife about it. I was really upset. She goes, drive back to the gas station. Do it now. Do it now. You got to get back. I was like, Adrian, it's too long. Uh, it's just excuses, excuses. And so I brought a check to church today and I'm just going to like double it or something. You know, <laughs> that's what the spirit does. But guys, I, so, but, but, so we're still making mistakes. We're still making, we're not, we're not getting to levels of perfection here, but we're learning to walk with his voice. And when we talk about like our mission at church is to build people up to overflowing God's love and carry his heart. What, this is, the, it's the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It's not getting in the classroom and learning and hoping we can recall information. It's the, the Holy Spirit changing us from the inside out so we can be Jesus wherever we go. And when we mess up, listen, we're still saved. Like sons and daughters don't get, you know, don't get cast out of houses because they make mistakes. This is it's a kingdom of grace. But God's making us more like his son, Jesus. He wants, to be he wants to be dependent on today. Do you know the Holy Spirit wants to be known? And here's why I'm praying this morning. Like, I, don't, I haven't had a ministry of all kinds of crazy signs and wonders and healings, though lots of people I've prayed for have been healed. That, that's not really what I've carried the most. What I've carried is the Abba cry. <laughs> so I'm just wondering uh, this morning if you want the Abba cry. Anybody want that? Anybody want to st stand your feet if you want it? All right. All right. Maybe you've never spoken to the Holy Spirit. Just tell him right now that you want this. Just really go after it, guys. This isn't easy. It's not like don't press into your comfort right now. Moments for this are just to press out of them. And in fact, Heavenly Father, I just pray, man, I pray that even as like, like prophetically, as people are standing out of their seat, that is, that is really, God, just like a, it's like leveling up. Into, into another season, God, where we actually get to lock hearts with the Holy Spirit. Jesus, this is your church. We didn't pay for this church. You paid for this church. And Holy Spirit, we need you to take over this church. God, we're, we're sick of strategy sessions 
where we, where we have quick prayers to wrap up what we've done in the flesh. God, we, we just want to hear your voice. We want to be in love with your heart. We, we want to be lovesick, messed up, lovers of God, building up other people in love, spilling out all the good things that you're doing. That I pray it will be overflow, not, not trying and striving, God. We don't want Harvard business practices to lead the way. We want the Holy Spirit to lead the way. God, I just, I just pray right now for the Abba cry in this church. Just the Abba cry in this church. Just the Holy Spirit, you would begin to cry like, like your word says you do. Make us uncomfortable. Get us out of our comfort zones. We, we repent of the idolatry of making comfort first, and we're ready to be lovesick, a lovesick bride. That is what we want today, Father. That is what we want today. So I just bless your people today. With the Abba cry, God, I just pray that it just springs up in hearts around this room. I just pray genuinely, life-changingly, spring up in hearts around this room. And just like babies, not, not presenting all of, our, all of our knowledge, but just presenting our need. Father, you love to just meet need and to be strong where we're weak. You love to hold us, touch us, bless us. So God, just pray for the Abba crying hearts. Do it, God, we ask and we pray. God, thanks for a little bit of tears coming from my heart today. Man, I've missed this. Just miss this, God, I just pray for more of this and, and less of polish. I just pray for snotting and stumbling and bumbling with your spirit and less polish, God. And I pray that for homes. I pray for that for dads and moms and children, God, from the least to the greatest. We pray for a move of your spirit in these days. And we ask this and pray this now. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org. 